It is Social Media Hustling. I'm your host, Andy Pondillo. And yes, it has been much too long since we've done this program. Happy to get back at you. I don't have a great excuse besides uh, watching a lot of Astros baseball and being busy with work. You know, that's not a true excuse. Shame on me. We're going to get this thing back to going. Um, you know, every couple weeks, every month, we'll try to get a new episode out there talking to other social media specialists in the Houston area, Texas, and around the United States. A very special program today, as we'll have Rebecca Council. She's the founder of Social Media Day Houston, a conference that I spoke at this past Social Media Day. It was an absolute blast, a dream come true to be able to speak in front of such a knowledgeable crowd and also be a part of the conference and hear some other variations from other social media specialists. As we know, there's not one way to skin the cat in the social media world. These things are very important. It's always um, you know, something that I take a, a lot of pride in is to share my excitement, my knowledge, my energy, ambition with the rest of the social media industry. So for her to allow me to do that, um, really fulfilling a dream and something that I would like to do a lot more of going forward. So Rebecca is going to assist on the program in the second segment. Can't wait to have her on. But first, let's get into the meat and potatoes today here on this edition of Social Media Hustling. So we haven't had the year coming up, 2019, and a lot of times we start to reflect, what do we do right, what do we do wrong, where's the industry going, etc. Um, but it's also the end of a decade, and I think it's a good time to really take a step back, take a look at what we've done uh, through the course of this decade. I really got that social media title uh, officially in 2015 uh, when I was named the digital uh, and social media specialist over at Gal Media for ESPN 97.5. Uh, but I've been balling out in social media since 2010. I mean, this goes back to being a radio show host, doing it for myself. This goes back to trying out silly videos, cat memes, whatever you have it, talking about my radio show. We were all learning this thing together. And really, anyone that was trying to do social media or was in that social media a field or partial field or an intern or whatever it may be, um, none of us knew what the hell we were doing. And I think that's what makes it so special to look back at now is how we've created this path for ourselves, how much this has evolved uh, from being the youngest person uh, in the room that gets to do social media out of default uh, to now being a enterprise, to now being a several billion dollar organization, an organization um, that is really challenging the status quo of everything. It's, it's challenging status quo of news media, print media, radio. We've seen traditional media really take a fall, and, uh, and I don't want to say that that's good. It's not like we're trying to monopolize, but at the same time, it's great for the digital industry um, to see that some of these industries that pushed us aside, that said that social media um, was a fad, that it was only for young people, that they don't get it, whatever it may be, to see where this thing has come, uh, it is quite exciting, and it didn't happen overnight. Uh, so I think it's important for us, all of us, to look back as to where and where and how we got to where we're at right now, where we're moving at in the, in the future, and some of these concepts we'll talk about in our top ten countdown today, uh, they were concepts that maybe didn't it didn't really come right away. You know, there's a concept that might have happened in 2011 uh, that maybe we didn't see the full impact until 2018. It could have been a platform that 
didn't do so well. And then the concepts from that platform bursted somewhere else. We all know about Zuckerberg stealing ideas. So there's a lot to go through. Uh, we're going to do the first or 10 through 6 to start off, and then we're going to kick it to Rebecca. We're going to get her take on the social media industry. Then we're going to conclude with the final five countdown, and I can't wait to get this thing rolling with you guys. If you have any feedback, you can always find me LinkedIn, Andy Pondello. You can go at AndyPond7 on Instagram, and uh, Facebook, always search me, Andy Pondello. Twitter, you don't want to find me. I'm usually, um, that's the Wild West for me, where I'm posting about the Astros with gifts. I'm posting cat gifts. It's, uh, I don't take Twitter as seriously as, as the other social media platforms these days. So let's start it off. Top 10 countdown, 2010 to 2019, a decade about to be in the books. What have we learned in social media? Number 10, we're going to start off with the introduction in 2011 of Snapchat. Snapchat is an interesting platform for me because, look, we all saw the metrics when it came up. Everybody needed to get on Snapchat. All the young kids were using it, the filters, the influencers. It was starting to really shift, um, you know, what we were doing. I mean, a lot of organizations, when you're going to their um, spot, you had to know what their Snapchat was. You want to... Um, throw on their custom filter. You wanted to share that experience with your friends. The private messaging system they use where the pictures disappeared real quickly. Uh, Snapchat to me um, is very vital because it changed the way that we operate as a whole in this industry. I think it's very impactful to look at these different types of platforms that change the way that you and I, the way that big businesses, that all of us are doing things. What Snapchat did is it got back to the essence of social media. When Facebook started, when Twitter was first popping, we were talking about one-on-one -on -one type conversations and experience, something to share with your friends, connects everybody together. Snapchat, to me, really brought that back with their stories feature, where you could do the five-second silly video, you could do the picture with the filter, you could put a dog face on you, you could blast through it really quick to where uh, this platform, you could get a lot of content uh, just by screwing off at work and swiping for, you know, one minute, two minutes, you could blast through 30 of your friends and see what they're doing, where we had a lot more clutter at this point in 2011, 2012. Facebook was starting to get a little bit more cluttered than it used to be. Twitter has always been the Wild West since the beginning, and once it moved into that 2015, 2016 era, Snapchat was the one that we were talking about in all the articles. Is it going to take down the Facebooks of the world? Can it be a real competitor with Instagram? We found out and Snapchat did made a vital mistake as to when Zuckerberg wants to buy your company, it's usually a good idea to unload that thing and make a quick bill. They didn't take it. Instagram stole all the ideas, implemented a better stories feature. They altered their algorithm and really the idea, I think, behind Instagram into making it more of a quick fast smartphone type platform i feel like snapchat actually did instagram a favor and building them a foundation on an already successful photo platform turning it to more of a multimedia platform we're talking about now instagram and facebook enhancing their dm features all of this was really implemented within snapchat the filters Everything, everything that Instagram is today, you know, you could argue at times that there's more value in um, business sense in doing the stories 
Then there is the actual timeline. This all comes from Snapchat, the quick functionality of it. It was genius. It was great for its time. It really involved the smartphone. It implemented vertical video. Um, you would have gotten your wrist slapped really hard by a lot of people before Snapchat if you did vertical video on a smartphone. They made it cool. Users liked it. They view it naturally. Facebook now has vertical video as a preference. Instagram all of them are using it. TikTok. Uh, so Snapchat was an innovator for its time. It, it didn't necessarily make the money I think that they wanted it to make. They had trouble um, pointing it in through a business sense. Uh, Instagram took advantage of that. You now have ads running under stories. You now have uh, branded content running as videos, as pictures. You also have e-commerce coming to Instagram, bringing this thing full circle. You know, maybe that loses the trust a little bit with Instagram. That's another debate for another time. Snapchat laid out the foundation. Very pivotal for the social media industry. There always has to be an originator. They just couldn't bring it all together. Our number nine feature of our top ten social media countdown, social media schedulers. Now, this takes me to my nerdy side here, but this has been really important to grow the industry. We're talking about Hootsuite, Sprinkler, Sprout Social, name a million of them. There's a million of them out there, um, but it really takes you back to the early days of TweetDeck. Hootsuite obviously was an innovator, uh, and just being able to schedule posts, that was really important for even when the schedulers weren't around in full force when Facebook started allowing you to schedule posts. Um, I remember back in 2010, 2011, having to time posts at a specific time to actually, you know, type that thing out live and, you know, wake up at 5 a.m., you know, hurry up and get that post out, have that picture ready, have everything in a Word document. Um, the automation, I think, has been very vital to the success of social media. Without it, you don't have the paid ads. You don't have uh, the influencers being able to strategically place their posts like they would want to. You don't have the organization with social media teams being able to work together, agencies being able to manage 25 clients at a time. All this money that we talk about being passed around, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars in this, inter you know, this industry can't do it if you're having to do every single social media post live. Might seem like a little thing, very important to large scale of social media growth in the 2010s. My number eight has to be this platform that was little known, that was kind of stuck in the corner of the the dark children of social media. I call it LinkedIn. And this thing, you talk about blowing up in the last few years. You know, sometimes it takes a little while for an angel to spread its wings. Well, man, it took more than a decade for this one to do it. But LinkedIn, it's in the golden era. It's hit. It's making a play right now. Started in 2002. That's hard to believe that LinkedIn's been around that long, but it primarily started as a job site, another monster.com, uh, another indeed.com, eventually was purchased by Microsoft, eventually has become a more full-service uh, social media tool for uh, us to post statuses, articles, uh, B2B marketing is hands down the best B2B marketing tool you can use. Over 70% of companies on some studies now agree that uh, B2B marketing needs to primarily be done through LinkedIn. Uh, we see LinkedIn influencers. We see LinkedIn video. We see LinkedIn ads. We see LinkedIn in mails that make me want to pull my hair out sometimes. 
but we see a lot of LinkedIn going on right now. And uh, just taking it down to really the base level, I think it was really important for a social media tool to humanize the job searching efforts. We always go through the Indeeds, we go through the monsters, you know, apply, 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 apply. Automated message, automated message, automated message, automated message, automated message. Drives you effing insane. LinkedIn, I thought, brought that human element to where now you can see your recruiters. You can see what they're posting. You can post articles uh, about your type of work. You can have a voice. You can gain traction in your career while sitting at home and typing up an article. You can take control of your career. And I think that was really important when LinkedIn started to more shift towards that social media, that timeline, that Facebook type approach. A lot of the content, a lot of the structure, and even the ad network in which we've used for B2B marketing, I feel like is a very big ripoff of Facebook. But then again, why reinvent the wheel when we know what their ad network can do on Facebook? We know how specific their, their targeting can get and convert We've run ads on this for B2B. Um, if you're trying to get a $500,000 sponsorship, man, you throw $10,000 on an ad, you just got to convert one time. B2B, B2B marketing, brilliant. This took a new wave for us to try and take this into the 21st century, 22nd century, 23rd century. If you want to keep rolling with it, um, it it's important for us to really start to understand LinkedIn if we're in that marketplace, to really understand the value of doing that, eliminating the printer costs, the personalized envelopes, the cold calls, keeping it personalized is really important. And also for the future of the site, uh, we get blasted with some generic in-mails, some generic ads. Unfortunately, that is the culprit when you start doing paid social media is that there's a lot of junk that can get filtered through the algorithms. It's going to be important for LinkedIn past this decade to start eliminating some of that junk to be very specific how they're targeting their content and to grow the business because it makes money, it makes sense, there's a lot of dollars to be had here, but LinkedIn has to be smart about it. They have to keep it at that experience Right now, there's some stuff on there that, you know, it's just too much of the junky in-mails. It's growing a lot faster than it has uh, in probably the last decade, in the last two years. This is a golden era. I can't wait to see what LinkedIn's going to do in the next decade. I think they're going to come through in a clutch. I think they're going to make some huge plays. Number seven, when this thing dropped, took the social media industry by storm. Facebook Live 2015. Who remembers when you were sitting around at work and you got pinged by a Facebook Live notification from a page you follow? Everybody raised their hands because all of us did. If you liked any page at all, you were getting pinged with that Facebook Live and then you would go click it, you would watch it, you'd be like, that's pretty cool. Maybe it's gotten a little saturated. I don't think this is a true focus of Facebook anymore, but for its time... Um, it really took the video platforms to another level. You know, we had seen Periscope on Twitter. They were the originators. So maybe, well, let's give Periscope some love. Well, yeah, let's go Periscope. You didn't get anywhere. You know, Twitter is a little goofy. It's the Wild West. But, hey, you brought out the idea. You showed that the live broadcast could be done. Um, we had seen it done on the web before. Uh, webcams and chat sites and different things like that have done the live broadcast. But we took this more mainstream Facebook Live, a lot of it was very simplistic stuff. You know, things that we did in radio. Uh, we did a hot wings eating contest for a sponsor. We did a 
uh, burrito eating contest for a sponsor. We did workout challenges. We did trivia contests to engage the audience. It was a way to just loosen things up a little bit. And I think that's something always real important, even as we go through other items on this list. What's important about social media to a lot of people is just to loosen up the stressors of the day, to see something that inspires them, to get a good laugh, to watch a video for 15 seconds and be like, haha, that was pretty cool. That's what I think Facebook Live was. It kept you in the moment. It kept you engaged. You could comment and have those responded to live. It was that real in-the-moment essence that I feel like Zuckerberg, when he started Facebook uh, back in 2003, I think this is the type of conversation he wanted. He found a new way to bring that conversation more alive. It's no different than you know a lot of the concepts we have on social media. It was just expanded another level. People loved the live element. It was a dangerous element because there was obviously a lot of crime that was taped live and then posted. There was a lot of controversy over it. This thing had to be fine-tuned quite a bit. We learned as we went there were some amazing concerts that were put on that we could stream live. There was live um, charity donations where hundreds of thousands of dollars were raised by really uh, live hurricane relief efforts, live um, charity concerts, as we were just talking about. I think that this, the Facebook Live, when we look at social media impacts, not just within the social media industry, but just the impact globally as a whole, when we're talking about it in 20 years from now, I think it's going to rank higher than number seven. I have it ranked a little lower on my list because I'm kind of talking through it from a social media specialist angle, but the global impact of Facebook Live, the global impact of the foundation laid by Periscope, I think is extremely important, something that we should uh, definitely always uh, pay a lot of respect to, because this was a risk for Zuckerberg to take. This was something that could have blown up in his face. I do think it got oversaturated. I do think the Instagram lives, the now LinkedIn lives, and everybody you know, and their best friend's mom going live. <laughs> like, it is a lot of live. I think it's saturated. And then I also th believe now you don't get the appeal because you're not tagging everybody uh, that follows a certain page and that loses a sense of a value. Uh, so Facebook Live, yes, it's watered down. Yes, it's going to become a relic. It's always going to be there. I think there's spots and places for it. I believe if you have long-form content uh, that somebody can easily digest in a 10 to 30 second span and don't have to watch you know, a 30-minute Facebook Live, I think that there's a place for that. I think announcements, uh, Facebook Premiere is an awesome tool if you're doing more of a fine-tuned show. Now you can do Facebook Premiere, record the whole thing live, 1080p, pump that sucker out, and it'll come as a live premiere quote, 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 um, to the audience. And I think it really serves the same purpose. It fine-tunes the videos a little bit more. Facebook's put a bit of a priority in getting more fine-tuned videos up, the full 1080, the better functionality. I think that's a better play for you as we move forward. Staying on the concept of video. Straight up social media video. That will go all the way back to 2007, so we're even taking it past a decade there. But I would say video on social media, we didn't really see it pop till about 2011. I remember being uh, a radio host, 2010, 2011. Um, I had a flip camera. 
Uh, not all of us had smartphones. It's something we take for granted is that we, you know, we don't remember this era without smartphones. But that era did exist, and there was an era where it didn't take great video either. Uh, but I remember doing it with my flip camera, and we would do... 30-second interviews, bringing that journalistic approach uh, to being out on the scene, being out there uh, with the fans in College Station when I was a radio host, talking to them about what's going on today, um, highlighting a event that we had for Valentine's Day and doing a short uh, video. I remember hosting a pool party. Uh, we had a short little video we put up. These little clips that we'd put up it would bring another side uh, to me as a host it would show who i am off the microphone and that's just one example it worked very effectively for brands to bring a backstage pass to uh what people are looking for as we move forward through the millennial era um into gen z the one thing that we saw very consistent with purchasing habits is that users want experiences over being sold to Video allowed us to really tell the experience. It was very organic. It was very in the moment. It was very just, let's see what we can do. Let's go out and try something when this thing first started. Now you see much more produced video. You see the commercials. You see the ads everywhere you go. Heck, it's you know around Thanksgiving, Black Friday time. Everybody wants you to buy something. Uh, but that's not how it started. And I think that it was very pivotal uh, for video during this era to start like that uh, because what it did for us is it, it really showed the value and we could analyze the analytics that came from this about how much the users would comment, would gravitate towards video that wanted that backstage that feeling like they got value from a brand on social media, I think was extremely important. It built trust, it built long-term awareness, it built lifetime conversions. The most important conversion on social media, the most important conversion in digital marketing, establishing the lifetime conversion. It'll usually take three to get them there, but if you keep building that trust, you know, pump, pump, add, pump, pump, add, you do that you mix and match you could build that you could build continuity and i think that um, bringing video in those early 2010s i feel like brands started to see how powerful this tool could be when facebook video specifically started up you know now of course we were talking about snapchat earlier which is much more involved instagram now much more involved um, the paid social media efforts much more involved but somebody had to start this video on social media short form um, it's still one of the most powerful tools today. It's one of the few things that we look back, maybe from that 2010-2011 era, that hasn't aged itself out. 30-second, 15-second videos, they were popular then. They're still popular now. I think they're going to be popular in 2030 as well. Now, we might have a million new platforms by that point, but video content over 80% higher engagement when this thing dropped it's just going to keep going as people want it. It makes money. It makes sense. And we haven't even tapped uh, what this can fully be in the social media industry, which more than anything, that makes me really excited. But we have tapped for the beginning portion of this list. So now we're going to bring on our guest, Rebecca Council, the founder of Social Media Day Houston. If you're in the Houston area, you know her 
very bright social media specialist. She has consulted various different companies around the industry. She likes to find the different partners with a purpose. She likes to drive costs. She likes to drive the social media experience, what we all want to do, and she picks the right people to work with, you know, me, of course, but, um, the, I mean, but really, the, Rebecca and um, the her team and the community of the social media specialists in this great city, um, she's fantastic. I've learned a lot from her in just a short time. Can't wait to hear what she has to say on the subject and uh, where she really thinks this industry is headed as a whole. As promised, we're now joined by Rebecca Council, founder of Social Media Day Houston, to continue the conversation we're having on today's episode, the last 10 years of social media. And, you know, those were 10 quick years. Rebecca's been on this thing for a long time. Uh, Rebecca, you've told me your story before. We're going to have to tell it again. Um, An early adapter of social media, both with businesses and also bringing communities together uh, with Social Media Day Houston, as many know in this area, really the conference for all of us social nerds where we get together, talk about algorithms, talk about trends, what's happening in the past, what's happening now, and everything in between. Uh, Rebecca, it's a huge honor to have you on here. And really, I think a perfect episode, uh, as I said before, someone that was really into this thing early on uh, to see where it started, to see where it is now, should be a fun conversation. Yeah, Andy, thanks for having me. I love talking all things social media. And so I was very excited when you asked me to join you. So tell me, how did you get into this crazy world? Because like a lot of us, uh, we didn't exactly go to school for social media. We kind of found our way to it in some different pathway. And to me, uh, every time I talk to someone, I love to hear about their path to social media marketing. So I was a virtual assistant when uh, when social media first started Um you know, it started with Facebook only allowing schools and certain schools in. And so when they opened it up to everybody, I was one of the first ones to jump in. Um, I uh, also was a quick person to jump onto Twitter and LinkedIn. So it's very exciting. Once I found out that social media can really help my clients that I was doing uh, virtual assisting work for, I slowly brought them over into the social media world. Um asking them that if I can do their social media for free, just to find out how it works, that I wouldn't charge them for it. So, yeah. So early off, I got my start as a free social media person. You know, that's uh, funny how you mentioned that. A lot of us, you know, when we started at me being back in the radio industry, we just, you know, we were some young face that uh, might be good at social media or some digital savvy person that might be good at social media and, you know, just got on this thing. I, I like the story you're talking about uh, doing it for free, just getting the experience and to see the actual business side now popping up. Um, I know you see it at your conference of Social Media Day Houston. Can you talk quickly before we get into the meat and bones of the interview, just how it started, where it's going, and uh, maybe some of the projects you're working on on right now as well? So once I got into social media and realized that it was really good for my clients, I quickly switched everything over from VA into social media um, assisting and slowly grew my skills into being a consultant and a strategist. Um, I currently work with uh, nonprofits and small businesses. Um, My small businesses have to have a give back aspect or they have to give some way in the community so that um, they do good. 
Um, I like to say that I'm a heart-centered social media strategist, and so everything that I do revolves around giving back. Um, I give all of my nonprofits a really good discount so that that way they have um, no strain off their budget. Um, I currently am working with the um, Harris County Domestic Violence Coordinating Council. Um, we just did an event that helped them raise um, nearly $6,000 for things that their grants don't cover, which is amazing. Um, and we did that in uh, less than two hours. So I was really, I was really, awesome. really happy. Yeah. Um, and then some of my small businesses that I'm working with is um, Hotel Island. They're a boutique hotel over by NRG. And everything that they do is about giving to the community. So um, I also have a waxing, I also have a waxing client. And everything that they do is about making the community uh, healthier and making their skin look better, whether it's giving to different nonprofits so that they can help their clients out or um, wrapping up door prizes and um, helping those that can't afford waxing. So, And that's really cool. I, I like that you brought that up. It kind of segues into a lot of what I think we should talk about on this podcast in the last 10 years of social media. Uh, you're very cause-driven. And I, I feel like, you know, 2010, social media was a lot about cause-driven uh, different items, experiences, uh, dog memes, whatever it may be. It was a little bit more loose. And then once the businesses started getting a hold of it, once the big money started getting a hold of it, uh, we've seen a lot of dollars thrown in. It became a little bit more adsy. And I know everybody has their opinion right now on Facebook uh, as to maybe not being the most natural platform as you know maybe it once was. But the thing you just talked about that really stuck with me, Rebecca, is you're still very cause-driven. You're building an experience. You're taking clients that have the message that you want to deliver something positive into the social media environment. So uh, really that leads me into the last 10 years. How have you seen that change on your end? Has it been for the better? Has it been for the worse? Is it somewhere in between? Uh, where is it going right now in terms of uh, building that experience and, and maybe being that cause-driven platform where you know everybody has their opinion on social media right now? You know, and I agree with you. I think People have their own opinion, and I think that it depends on who you follow and what you want out of social media to determine if it's if it's still very friendly or not very friendly at all. Um, I so side story. I have a niece who does unique, and she only uses Facebook and some Instagram, but all of her stuff on Facebook is done through live videos. So. Unique is a networking platform. They sell they sell makeup, and then you have people on your team that help you sell your makeup. And so she does live tutorials. I mean, she is on there every single night. She's working it. She does live tutorials. She talks to people about skin health, and, like, she helps them figure out, like, what type of makeup is better for their skin. And she's amazing at it. Whereas if you go over to other people like... Um, people who are more uh, money-driven, then, you know, they all talk about how you can manipulate social media and to be in what you want it to be. And so I think that that's the difference. I think it depends on how you look at it. If you really want to increase your brand awareness and your engagement, then you look at social media and the friendly aspect and the aspect of 
the community. If you're just money driven and you're using it for, you know, just to get more money out of people, then it doesn't work all the time for that because that's not what social media is for. So I really think it depends on how you're trying to use it to get where you want to be. And I will say what I found through working through businesses where some might be about the brand awareness, some might be about the short-term conversion. Um, we have found that the ones that have more of the long vision, the long um, initiatives, they end up getting better business because they're going outside of the box, trying something different, getting out in the community uh, versus when you run those short form ads, you know, you know, as well as I do, Rebecca, they might pop for a little bit, but it's hard to consistently just throw ads out there. There's audience fatigue, there's creative fatigue. Eventually, you're going to run out. So I really feel that those really big thought initiatives are, are where it's said if you can come up with it. Uh, and, you know, that's easier said than done. It takes the right mindset, it takes the right team. It really takes the right belief uh, from the top to make that happen. And it's just something that you know, I, I like to say social media, as far as it's come, I love the business aspect right now. Uh, there are a lot of errors, I feel like, going into place because of the business aspect right now. And, you know, people trying to run this like it's TV or they're trying to run it like it's radio buys and just throw a bunch of money uh, at an ad and, and let it sit. And Facebook's not going to say no to that, but it's also may, may not be the best thing for your business. Uh, you know, something that I like to talk about a lot um, are what have been the big changes that stand out uh, in the last 10 years? Is there one change, Rebecca, that you have that's really altered the way that maybe you handled clients or, you know, maybe completely restructured the way that you uh, manage from start to finish? Because I feel like there's been many times along this social media train where we've had to reestablish our strategies. You know, it's funny, every time something new comes out, then you have to move around your strategy. And so for me, one of the major things was when um, smartphones came out. I know that that's one of yours, mm -hmm. but smartphones really changed the way that people are connecting with other people. You know, they actually are the, are the, the I think smartphones are the catalyst that started everything as to how it is now. I know that you know, because you can use social media on your computer um, and on everything has a desktop version. But I think that because social media has gotten more mobile friendly, um, I think it allows people to be more engaging no matter where they are. And so I definitely think that my smartphone is definitely is what changed it for me. So million dollar question, because when we started using the smartphones in 2013 or whatever it may be, it was always horizontal video. Have you gone back to doing vertical video because Instagram likes it now? You know, I I do both. It depends on what I'm trying to capture. Um, but I always make sure that um, it. I always test it to make sure that it is going to be Instagram friendly because mm -hmm. now Instagram Live allows horizontal videos. And so... You know, every so often I find myself saying, nope, you can't do a horizontal video because it doesn't look good, but it does now. And so mm -hmm. I think that it really just depends on the subject and what I'm trying to capture as to if I'm going horizontal or video. Sometimes if it's even a good, if it's a good tight shot, I'll do kind of an angle shot so that it's not completely horizontal and it's not completely vertical. Yeah, it's just funny. I always bring that up uh, because it was, what was it? 
maybe a year or two ago now that Facebook started favoring vertical videos as well. I used to uh, be one of those, of course, coming from a film background that was horizontal only. And then when the platforms and the algorithms started favoring it, uh, mainly because of Instagram retraining our brains, uh, it literally hurt my soul. Like deep into my soul, the first time I filmed a vertical video, and then I slowly started to get used to it. You know, and it is, it's weird at first to film a horizontal video when you, when you're always used to holding your phone upright, but there's just something about being a rebel every so often that makes you be like, yeah, I filmed that horizontal Mm -hmm. and it, it just feels good. Yeah, it's like, it takes you back to the old days, you know, this is how we used to do it back in Facebook, you know, so (laughs) it's been, uh, it's been interesting to adapt. I know for me, uh, Instagram has never been a platform that comes natural. Um, and, And I say that out of a um, a voice of strength, I like to say, when I go into meetings, you know, it's something that I adapted to. I think Facebook and Twitter came natural for me coming up the ranks. Uh, Instagram really, I think, shook this entire industry, um, not only on the Instagram platform, but throughout the other platforms. We're talking about how they've shifted the way that they uh, they do video. I believe all of the mobile uh, first social media platforms, sure, they were already doing mobile before Instagram, but Instagram was the first one that really adapted the entire platform to smartphone. And I feel like it changed everything that we've done since then. You think of Twitter now as firing off a 30 second tweet on your phone. You think of Facebook getting hit with an ad where some of these ads are 90% mobile now, Canvas ad, instant experience ads. These are all very mobile-driven platforms. I really feel like what mobile did for us, Rebecca, is it turned our industry from being big to, I feel like, being the industry for marketing. Because where are people when a commercial comes on? Where are they when they're in the passenger seat? Where are they at when they're eating lunch? They're on their smartphone, and it really elevated the business to what we see now. Well, and I agree because, you know, if you remember, Instagram was created after everything was already mobile. And so the big thing for Instagram was that it was the first mobile-only platform because you couldn't get it on your computer, whereas all the other ones you could. And so I think that no matter what happens in the future, I think that Instagram, even though now it's owned by Facebook, is always going to have that edge. And now you have Snapchat, which is still mobile only. But, um, you know, I think that Instagram will always be able to hold that over everybody else's head, is that we were the first mobile only platform to start. That is correct. And, you know, they made a nice uh, lump sum of money from that. What was it? About a billion dollars for the two co-founders. So uh, they did it right. They hit it at the right time. Uh, We briefly talked about uh, live Facebook, live video content, and, you know, that was a huge thing when it hit. I remember sitting around 2014, 2015, still working in radio, and this Facebook Live thing popped up, and we literally, Rebecca, sat on a computer and watched a live video off BuzzFeed of them putting rubber bands around each other until... they're putting it around something like a balloon or something until it exploded. And we sat there for an hour watching it just because we're so captivated by that live experience. Um, it was like a reality show now on your social media network where anybody could pick it up and do it. Um, I will say that the way that lives are done 
uh, back then versus done now are a little bit different. I don't know if everybody clicks on them like they were when they were brand new. I also think that uh, the demand is a little bit harder to get. You know, people want to see something very quick on their smartphones. Uh, but really, I don't know if it is the focus like it was in 2015, but it still remains a big part of social media. Instagram Live, LinkedIn Live, uh, so many different avenues. We've seen it used for business. We've seen it used for causes. We've seen it go some down some really dark paths where people have filmed things live that um, might have been crimes or violence or a lot of things to be said about live video. Going from where we're at right now, going into this next decade, Rebecca, where do you see live video? Uh, what, Where does it play? Where does it need to go? Does it expand? Or have we seen the golden era of live video already? You know, it's funny. I, I would always say that I see it expanding. But if you, if you saw... Uh, if you saw what Mari Smith, I don't know if you follow her, but she's like the queen of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And so she always gets all the first, like this is happening next in Facebook. She did a post the other day that showed that Facebook's doing away with the live with. So you can no longer have the live with aspect on your Facebook lives. And so I think that if people aren't using things that they're going to start going away so does that mean that they're making room for more powerful things or does it mean that you know they're starting to shorten some of the the some of the ability for us to go live and so i think that you know i think that social media is always going to leave us hanging and i think that people that think that they have oh well it's going to go this way it's going to go this way i think that 2020 is going to leave a lot of room for people guessing. No, that is true. And we're always trying to guess. And that's what I say to my marketing team when I talk to them. What we did last year that worked so well, we may not want to do it again, just because this has been something we've done for the last four years may mean we not, not want to do it next year. So, um, you know, really leaves us guessing. Facebook has been working on a lot of different things. They've been making a lot of money. They've been diversifying in 17 different ways to Facebook watch, a Facebook dating app, a Facebook, you know, microwave is probably coming. I don't know. There's <laughs> a million different things they're trying to get themselves into. Uh, I know that they're being pressured or, you know, they really were originally pressured, I feel like, by short form social media content with a lot of the attention spans going down because of smartphones, but the amount of content being consumed at higher ratios. I feel like our new player in the field, TikTok, uh, positioned himself at the very end of this decade and really growing at a rapid pace like we saw with Instagram in 2012-2013, branching onto that short-form video content. The power of short-form video content, Rebecca, can you tell me how maybe you've used that and if I were a betting man, I would say the short form video content is the most powerful tool as we hit this next decade, because I think this is going to keep growing. And I think brands are getting smarter with it every day. You know, I think you're right. And I think that one of the best ways that people can use short form video content is to promote how they work with other people. And so... I wouldn't necessarily promote my business on social on like TikTok, but 
I would help others find ways to raise awareness and engagement with their community. Even if they have the videos on TikTok and then they download them and bring them somewhere else for right now. Like a lot of people are downloading all their TikToks, all their TikToks into Instagram. And so, you know, I think that that's genius because with TikTok, they have some of the features that Instagram doesn't have yet. And it has some of the neat little things that you can do with like the word pop-ups, like, you know, am I this? And then the, the music is no. And then am I this? And the music is no. And so I think that a lot of things are going to be multi, um, multi apps. And so one of the things that I do with my clients is I make their videos multi apps. So I may edit them in one app and then bring them into another app and add some of that context onto it as well. And so I think that people that just want to stay on one platform and do all their stuff that way, I think that they're going to be missing out on some of the great things that maybe TikTok or Snapchat still has to offer. And so, and, and just give it up to Zuckerberg to steal all of TikTok's ideas and try to put it on Instagram. <laughs> you know, he's going to. <laughs> it's coming. So final question is, we're getting close to time here, is... If, Rebecca, you could take only one thing that you've learned on social media from the last decade, whether it be something that you've learned about yourself, business, the way that things are going, user trends, what is one thing that's been very impactful that you've taken away from social media, and how can we grow with this lesson as an industry in your mind? You know, I think it's important to understand that just because you try something one time and it doesn't work, doesn't mean that you can't try it again later on or put a different spin on it and try it again that way. People always seem to say, well, that didn't work for me. And it closes them off. You know, if you can take your idea and put different spins on it and try it at different times, I think that that helps people really understand like what they need in order to survive on social. And so I always tell my clients, let's try it this way. And if it doesn't work, let's try it again this way. I'm always open to ideas from them as well as them being open ideas from me. And so I think that people who walk away from social just because they tried something one time and it didn't work, I think that they're missing the bigger picture of what social media is and how it can impact their business. Amen. That's a short form video or audio post right there. Cause that is perfectly well <laughs> said. That is Rebecca Council, social media day, Houston founder. Uh, real quick, before we let off, um, give us uh, where we can find you, where we can find the conference, how to sign up for it, all of that good stuff. Um, you can connect with me on any of my socials at Rev Council. That's R-E-B-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-L. And I'm rep counsel everywhere. And then for Social Media Day Houston, if you want more information, you can look for um, SMA of HOU everywhere on social. Thank you, Rebecca, for a fantastic conversation. Uh, be sure to follow her, check out her work. And uh, often she frequents the Social Media Breakfast in Houston. So if you're ever at the breakfast, let me know. Um, you know, definitely talk to her too. Great minds, uh, Cami over there who hosts it. Uh, I've pulled uh, a lot of ideas. I'm famous for stealing ideas, and you know, that's what social media is all about. We're always loving to share ideas and steal them, try to craft them into our own, but um, just a wealth of knowledge to be had there. Again, thanks, uh, Rebecca. Find her Social Media Day Houston, it'll be in June. 
come a lot quicker than you know it, so get ready for it. Uh, so let's kick this thing back into gear. We're talking about our top 10 social media items of the last decade. Number five, you knew it was going to come at some point, but she didn't know what rank it was going to be at. dun 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 Instagram. It's all about the gram, man. That's all we talk about now. Uh, there's plenty of social media to go around, but Instagram, Instagram influencers, Instagram stories, Instagram filters, Instagram branded hashtags, Insta famous, Firefest, blah, 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 Instagram everywhere. And I love it because you know what it did for me is uh, there was a point in my career where I thought I could do no wrong on Facebook. I could do no wrong on Twitter. But man, in 2015, I didn't know how the heck to use that platform. And I had to go back to basics. I had to go down and really learn this platform from scratch because it does not play like the other ones. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed to have done it because it's brought my game up to another level, even taking it back to Facebook and Twitter. Uh, when this platform came around, uh, 2010, I believe it was, was the actual beginning of Instagram. 2012 uh, is when we started to take some notice. And then, as we all know the story by now, Mark Zuckerberg drops a cool billion dollars on it uh, before it had the several hundred million users as it has right now. Um, it turned out to be a fantastic investment for him, a rather cheap investment for him. And uh, it's this. It's really taken over the world. You know, Instagram is the platform that I think Facebook was uh, back in 2008, 2010. It was that up-and-comer platform. It was that tag your friend in a funny post platform. It was that send your friend a message platform. I feel like it was a great way to diversify uh, what the social media industries were or platforms were for Zuckerberg to have Facebook where at the point... Um, you know, when Facebook started popping and paid social media started popping in 2014, he had this other platform, Instagram, which is a lot more like that friendly type, organic, that trustworthy platform that he had with Facebook. Now, obviously, Instagram has become a lot more paid since then, makes money, makes sense. $14 billion worth of revenue in 2019. But again, it's how a lot of these started. It's how Snapchat started. Uh, as we were talking earlier, it was a very community-type oriented platform. It allowed to bring out the creative of social media. And I don't believe that there has been a platform that has done that quite like Instagram. Um, all the filters, all the quick editing you could do on pictures, the short-form video. It took the short-form video... Uh, that we had with Facebook and really took it to another level when we actually, you know, at first Instagram was only pictures, but once it put the video elements into it, the vertical videos on the stories, the videos on the timeline, uh, it was quicker, it's easier for people to scroll through an Instagram timeline and access short form content. Uh, it, and it really struck to the young audience. You know, you talk about audiences and trained and how you are mentally uh, someone my age, 30 years old, I was trained to use social media a little bit before the smartphone era. So at the time that Instagram launches, uh, I still believe social media to me comes naturally on the laptop or the desktop computer. Uh, when Instagram launches, it's on the smartphone, which is more relevant to a younger audience. As with most of these platforms, they start young, they age up. It's the same old story with every single one. 
Instagram really captured that audience that's on their smartphone quite a bit that prefers to use the mobile app and puts everything on the mobile device. What a great play uh, for the iPhone, for an Android, uh, to have a platform like this, to have someone that stays on their phone all the time, always using it, meeting new people, texting, DMing, whatever it may be. It connected people, and again, it gets back to that one-on-one conversation. I go back to this a lot uh, when we talk about all types of social media, is we created an experience that was really quick that you could get on your phone, that you could access, that you could bring it up at any point of time. Instagram became your commercial break. Instagram became your billboards when you're riding in the passenger seat of the car. Instagram became your thing to do when you're waiting at the doctor. Instagram was easy. It was one click away. It captured the smartphone technology unlike any of the other platforms had before. And Zuckerberg saw this, and he saw it was quick, he saw it was creative, he saw that the platform had very little, just missing pieces, had very little clutter to it. It was sound, and he took advantage of it, brought the paid side to it, brought the businesses to it, um, stole everything Snapchat was going to, basically, when we thought Snapchat was going to take over and blow Instagram out of the water, Instagram took everything Snapchat had, blew Snapchat out of the water. Instagram is a fascinating tool. Uh, It's only growing to see it go 100% year over year. We I don't think we've even hit the golden era yet. When we saw Facebook starting to do this with the business sense, uh, we saw, um, I don't have the exact numbers up here, but I believe it was $8 billion revenue um, the second year of paid. Then we saw around 14 to 15. We saw getting into 30. Now we see getting to 60. This is the trajectory now that Instagram is going to take e-commerce the um, partnership with PayPal. We're going to see some big plays coming from Instagram. It's going to be very exciting. How do they keep that conversation natural? It's going to get more difficult as people have already seen kind of the Facebook takeover uh, with the gram. Uh, but nonetheless, people are hooked on it. They're you know already um, got that mindset to always just hit the Instagram button when you're chilling, trying to find something to do. You can document the story throughout your day on Instagram stories. It's very easy. It's very quick. It fits the Gen Z era. It fits the millennial era. And now it fits the everybody era because people are always hooked to see what your friend is going to do next on social media. I believe we've lost that to an extent on Facebook, but it's okay because we have other competitors like Instagram. We have TikTok that's coming into play. It's a legitimate competitor now on the video side. Facebook can keep doing its ads thing. Facebook can keep doing its more long form, uh, 15 second type content at times thing, where Instagram can be more of that instantaneous content. All these can play together. Instagram really found its niche working with the ad system, the business manager on Facebook. It didn't really uh, fancy the uh, in original Instagram uh, developers, but for Zuckerberg, bringing these platforms a little bit more together while still giving them their own identity, it only makes money. And what do we see on this program? Makes money, makes sense. Instagram's here to stay. Number four, this one's simple to me. It's the innovation of social media teams in the workforce. 
Uh, we talked about social media schedulers a little bit earlier, but social media teams and seeing the social media specialist, the senior social media manager, the social media director, the social media hipster, the social media YOLO dude, like, you know, whatever it may be, whatever your title is, your own made-up social media title, the corporate-level social media titles, the PR social media specialist, paid social media specialist, make it all... Make up a bunch of different names for our titles because we're still trying to learn them. The important thing for me is that social media has become a very important tool to the corporate world, to the medium-sized business world, to the small business world, to the agency world, to the freelance world. People are doing it, and they're doing it in larger teams. We've seen corporate places now in 2019 that are rolling out with 20 social media specialists. There's one that's responding to the comments, another one responding to the reviews, another one doing the paid side, another one writing the content, another one coming up with the strategy, another one handling the influencers. We all work together as a team. We have 8 million followers. We make millions of dollars a year. We ball out with our Mercedes. You know what I'm talking about? And this is just... It is beautiful for me to see where this has come, to see what has happened so fast in this industry that we were the interns, the youngest people in the room, just doing social media to do social media. We thought it was cool, right? You want to do it? Sure. But to see how this has developed and has changed so many careers, has taken people out of jobs that maybe weren't working for them and put them in different roles, uh, it, it's just heartwarming to me, it's special to me, it's passionate to me, it's important to me to be an ambassador of this industry, to put this industry in a better place than where I found it, and I think that not a, I don't think there's one voice that can do that necessarily in social media, but there's a team of voices, and really the way we do that is we continue doing our own thing, we continue to grow this thing, we continue to see the business side of this thing, uh, and really... Um, be different than what radio and what TV did and the, the sins that they made that hurt their industries by making it very cookie cutter, um, making it only about the money and not about the experience. The experience comes first. The experience draws the business, the human connection. Um, there's a lot of advertising mediums that have lost that. I don't think social media is there. I think there's some errors happening right now in the paid social media era that we need to be careful about, and it's just over-commercializing it. Uh, uh, but for all of that, I, I really believe the way that we've seen uh, the industry grow, I believe it was 2017, I'd read it was an 85% um, digital marketer roles uh, growth, for 85% job growth for digital marketer roles. I mean, that's just unheard of in a lot of industries, and we're going to keep seeing it. We're going to see Instagram specialists. You're going to see TikTok specialists. You're going to see all kinds of job titles that are invented um, because they have to invent them. You need you know, a lot of bodies to run these platforms. It's not a thing anymore to where you can just bring one person in and they can do everything. We've evolved past that now, and you know why we have? So it makes money. It makes sense. Speaking of which, number three. Paid social media. Who would have ever thought that? If you had told me in 2010, hey, Andy, there's going to be all these ads. They're going to blow up your feed. 
billions of dollars into social media. Heck, none of us are thinking about it. Instead, I would be pitching social media and I'd have someone at my job, well, I don't see how social media makes any money. Well, brah, now we're making over $70 billion a year in the industry and counting. So we're making money. And uh, it, it is something I don't think we could have foreseen. Even the, the smartest one in the room, even me who really believed in it at a younger age, uh, there, there has been substantial gains in the paid social media realms. The conversion ads on Facebook, page like ads, click ads, Instagram promoted posts. We're talking about e-commerce being integrated in Instagram soon, Instagram story ads, Twitter promotions, hashtags being bought for a million dollars by movie companies to be promoted on Twitter, custom emojis being purchased. Everything has a price. It is big money now. It is no longer small business. But the great thing always about social media and the paid side is you can report on everything. You can really take it down to a cent. If we're converting at you know eight fifty for a forty five dollar conversion, I can tell you exactly how much money you're probably going to need to spend once the learning process is over with these ads for you to equal your goal. And you know we see conversion ratios on Facebook and social media that are just ridiculously good when you know how to build the experience. I mean I've converted items that are $150 sales uh, over at Space Center Houston for uh, membership basis for $8 a pop. I mean, when you see numbers like that, let's just go for it, man. Like, you know, you you can guarantee it. And the real thing though I want to talk about when we talk about paid social media, uh, where it's going, it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, there's always going to be a wall you hit at some point. It doesn't matter what business it is. You're going to hit the wall. Uh, and what's happened with Facebook is there's so many people buying content now. Uh, this, you know, It's costing you a little more. It's going to make force you to be a little bit more creative for the algorithm to work in your favor to get in front of people. Uh, you're not going to be able to just be, let's throw a couple hundred dollars at Facebook and see if we can convert. Now it's going to take strategy. It's going to take building out an experience, a 12-month social media plan uh, to where we're building the awareness out. We're building a brand, a company, an experience, a strategy over just these short-term gains. And I think that there's going to be a lot of companies that want short-term gains. They're going to see it here or there, uh, but they're going to want to spend a couple hundred dollars and hope uh, unicorns or four-leaf clovers show up. And uh, that's just not how this game's going to play. So I think there's going to be a, t a certain period where we're going to see some companies throttle back. And then we're going to see the companies that know how to play this game, um, the MGM uh, resorts of the world who are pouring millions into it, the major companies, the Amazons, the tech companies of the world. We're going to see the smaller, medium companies that are unsure of it. They're going to pull back. The corporate companies are going to go big. The corporate's going to have priority over everything you put out there. It's going to become more and more important that you use creativity, that you use journalistic storytelling to get in front of them. The algorithm works in your favor. The paid algorithm works even more in your favor when you can create engaging content and you can create an experience. It's going to get more important when this game gets heightened to the level it is, especially with Instagram, but only gets more difficult. Number two, getting down to the very end right now. This one, you knew it was coming. You love it. You hate it. 
You pretend to love it. You deal with it. Everyone has their own opinion. Social media influencers. So the game is nothing new. Uh, we've had athletes. We've had celebrities, singers, uh, marketing different items on different TV commercials. We see product placement in movies and TV. And no one bats an eye, but you get a social media influencer, someone who made themselves famous by being on their phone, right? You know, or wrong. Actually, the best social media influencers are absolutely the most, some of the most brilliant people I have ever met. Um, they have taken their career, their craft, their specialty, their knowledge, and they took control into their own hands. You know, I really think the birth of the social media influencer dates back to the recession in my era. You know, a lot of us came out of school 2011, 2010, didn't know what the hell to do with our careers. There was no jobs out there, working jobs we shouldn't have, you know, really been doing, making $8 an hour, part-time, taking internships, going back to school. And I think what that led to is people hopping on the YouTube machine and making videos, people hopping on the Facebook machine, um, making posts and pictures. Instagram came around and allowed a new outlet for them. Um, but what it did is I think it forced uh, a lot of people to craft their own careers, to find their own pathway. And I feel like really being an influencer, you could have been one. Sure, we all talk about the beauty influencers, you know, posting a nice six-pack or a bikini shot. Sure, that's one whole thing. But there's a whole other level of influencers. And actually, YouTube, I believe, is where it is really, I think, caught wind. And then Instagram took it to another level. Um, but it, it showed you... Um, it, it gave you some sort of knowledge. You watched their content. You felt like you accomplished something. You felt like they were your friend. You felt like you were talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. You send them a message. They say, thank you for watching. Love your page. They go to your Instagram. They comment. They engage with you. They're acting like your friend. This was like inside access. And what was really exciting about a lot of these influencers and what makes it really special is you could see them almost grow up before your eyes. You know, you might have started following this influencer when they were a 19-year-old hotshot. Now you've watched them go through school, graduate, get their first real-person job, still doing their influencer thing, touring around, working with brands. You could say you knew them at the beginning, um, bringing knowledge to their fan base, bringing that natural ability to communicate again we go back to 2010 2011 that ability to have the one-on-one -on -one conversation and create an experience to create trust nobody in my opinion right now creates trust with their audience quite like the social media influencers do you know right now we're going through times where you know a lot of us are divided whether it be politics things going on in communities what you see on social media as much as i love it divides a lot of people a lot but the people um that you follow on social media you can choose who you want to follow you can choose who you look up to and i feel like these influencers allow allowed outlets for them they create education maybe what's happening in their city education as to um, some sort of task you're trying to do some sort of career field you're in um, you know, or it could just be motivational influencers, someone who's happy, who's successful in life, that just wants to put content out there to put a smile on your face. There's endless opportunities. Influencers, to me, show me that I can go out there and do whatever I want to do. I can be myself. I can ball out and be like them, or I could be um, somebody completely different. But they give hope. 
they give satisfaction, they give quick and easy content. And always important to be quick, always important to be easy to get a hold of. They build trust, they're your friend. And uh, most importantly, right now for the industry, they make money, they make sense. I don't know how much more data we have to get to prove it, but $2.3 billion spent on Instagram influencers this year, going to continue to keep going up. Uh, companies have seen the value of paying thousands of dollars for a single post. Uh, shoe companies, clothing companies, uh, any type of apparel, putting it on them, um, going to different tourist destinations, staying in resorts. It builds that cool factor, that FOMO, the fear of missing out. It builds it up with their audiences. They want to be a part of the experience of what their favorite influencer is doing. Uh, and we have the data that supports that Gen Z is more likely to be in influenced by a YouTube host, by an Instagram influencer, uh, than they would be an athlete, a celebrity. Not to say they don't like them, not to say they don't comment on these pages, uh, but I think the belief now, the over-commercialization of the athlete, of the singer, it just doesn't feel authentic anymore. And what does Gen Z crave more than anything? It started with the millennial crowd and then worked its way to Gen Z. They create authenticity. They create. They want or they want authenticity. They want trust in their brand. Influencers working with your brand, picking the right ones, builds trust, builds hype. It makes money. It makes sense. Finally, number one. We're here already. Have I talked too much yet? But we made it. We've made it to number one on the list. So let's count down through our top ten so far. Number 10, Snapchat. Number 9, Social Media Schedulers. Number 8, LinkedIn. Number 7, Facebook Live. Number 6, Social Media Video. Number 5, Instagram. Number 4, Social Media Teams being developed. Number 3, Paid Social Media. Number 2, Social Media Influencers. And last but definitely not least, the number 1 social media innovation of the 2010s, smartphones. Ah, oh, I know, it's kind of boring. You're probably expecting something more extravagant than that. But smartphones, I mean, hands down, let's, let's, come on, guys. Like, this has completely shifted the way social media plays. And, you know, I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg in the early 2000s could have ever predicted this. Uh, when he came out with his concept to be on the internet, he made a great shift of making Facebook a lot more mobile-friendly. Instagram changed the game. Uh, but without the invention of the smartphone, at what point would social media have hit the wall? At what point um, would the paid ads have really laid a dent into TV and to radio and to all these other platforms? When we put everything on this little device here called the smartphone, on the iPhone, it took social media with you everywhere. It wasn't just updating a status when you got home of your annoying tests that you took. It wasn't just poking um, your brother or sister for fun on Facebook anymore. It brought people's lives on the social media in a creative way, short-form video way, in a live way, all of this, the Facebook Live, the Snapchat, the way LinkedIn has grown, uh, the short-form video, Instagram existing at all, uh, the social media teams being needed, paid social media being able to reach enough impressions to make the money that it does, influencers, none of it, absolutely none of it 
is possible without the invention of the smartphone. It brought the platform with us in our pocket everywhere we go. We check it all the time. You know, one thing that's really simple that we do a lot when it comes to retargeting is you get hit by a social media ad, you watch that ad for a few seconds, maybe you click like. Now we have you in the marketing funnel. You see more of our posts because of that. You see conversion ads because of that. You see our experience because of that. Social media follows you everywhere. Very simple things. The algorithm's always running. It wants to know what you're hovering over, who you're engaging with, what you're doing on social media. Yeah, it's scary to some people, uh, but it just follows user trends. We see uh, Amazon, the way that that's blown up, the way that malls are having so much trouble staying open, department stores. It's just a, a lot of it has to do with the smartphone. It has to do with how quick it is. People like speed. They get more time back in their days. They like to take that experience with them everywhere. I mean, I could really, that's actually a subject for another show, in my opinion, is how the smartphone era has dramatically, dramatically changed social media. And really, uh, for all of us in this industry, social media for the better, because I don't know if it ever becomes the business platform it is now without that smartphone in your pocket. We see analytics on Facebook, uh, 80 to 90% plus of our users are on a mobile device. And that's not going to keep going up. You know, people are paying more for their iPhones now than they're paying for their computers. People at home aren't using computers. They're using iPhones and iPads. So it's just a different game. It's changing. We're always changing. TikTok, a you know, very mobile-friendly app, is now in the game. They're taking the world by storm. We're all monitoring it. The smartphone, it just it's taken things to a certain point, and it just keeps elevating social media to higher levels. That's about it for this episode. I hope you like this one. I know it's a little bit of a different topic than we've done before. Uh, we'll get back to some other uh, different types of content. We should get one out before the end of the year as well uh, where we'll talk about... Um, I'm wanting to talk about tourism social media. I don't know if it'll be the next episode, but I really want to get on kind of talk about uh, why does a social media post or a social media experience or an influencer, how does that drive someone to take an action to make a long-form purchase? They may not make it today, tomorrow, six months, a year from now, but if you're funneling people properly, if you're building that experience properly, how does the act of building an experience for tourism work over the long haul and how do you track that financially i think would be a fascinating episode to tackle again you can follow me social media hustling uh just follow us on spotify uh i or it's not itunes anymore apple music um soundcloud we'll have our episodes up there you can always check out short form updates uh from these different episodes on my instagram channels andy pond 7 andy pondillo on linkedin and uh, we're back at it social media hustling See you next time.